Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. I have a message for you that says, grow up. <laughs> grow up. It's time. It's time to mature. You know, and, but there, there's part that I, we, I say that, but it's out of a heart of love. It's out of a place to say, you know, it's really awkward if your 10-year-old was not weaned. I mean, that's just like weird, folks. But that's kind of how we act sometimes. We, we still want milk, and, and we should be moving towards, towards deeper things, towards this, the spiritual um, maturity that, that Christ is calling us to. But sometimes we just get stuck in, in sort of the basic things. And, and today, I, I want to encourage you to grow uh, in, in what the Lord has for you. And as I was thinking about this, I was... I was thinking, I started watching one of the new superhero shows on Netflix, and I'm always fascinated by the ideas that, I mean, and so, uh, let's see, what, Superman, a lot of the comic books came out during World War II, then 1940s, um, and there's a fascination with someone that has a superpower. Superman can fly. And Superman's actually one of the few characters that... Um, is basically a good superhero. A lot of our superheroes today are kind of, they're, they're vigilantes, they're kind of anti-heroes, they're dark and brooding, they have this dark past, and, but somehow they're able to overcome that and have this superpower that's able to, to be redeemed and turned towards good. And I was thinking about these superpowers and, you know, is it flying? Is it teleportation? Is it laser beam eyes? Is it, you know, the, the, the characters have a broad range of, of powers. And there's something in us that when we see that, we go, I would love to be a superhero. I, I want to have that superpower. And sometimes we, we look for, how do I do that? in the wrong places, right? I mean, there's, the, the church has been concerned for, for many years with new age and different things like that, and we don't want anything to do, and so we write all of that off, and yet there's this fascination because they're talking about light and energy and power and, and different things, and we're like, well, I don't really want any of that, but I kind of do, but I don't want what they have. <coughs> And so, as, as, as we go through today's message, I want to encourage you to stay tuned to what the Lord is doing in you, the clues that he's giving you about who he's made you to be. Because when Jesus is in you, you have everything you need. But often we are very naive in how we approach this. And one, I think it's kind of a life message because for me, this, it just keeps coming up over and over again. The threshold to become a Christian is super low. The faith, the belief in Jesus and what he did, Jesus' Jesus's heart is that none should perish. Let's make it super easy to be saved. I want you to be saved. If you will believe in me, I will save you. That's it. There's no like, you know, six-week course that I have to take and a test. and then No, there's none of that. If you receive Jesus and you believe that he came as God to save you from your sins, that he died on the cross, it's yours. Super low bar. But he says, grow up. That's, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And we want to grow in our maturity. <clears throat> and so I've been kind of wrestling over the last few weeks. It was about three weeks ago. I was right up here worshiping, and I just I had a picture. And as I was worshiping, and then Caleb came and spoke in my ear and goes, I see you just like kneeing like a, kind of a karate thing into this wall. And I was like, mm, okay. Lord, what is that wall? 
And, he's, and I felt like the Lord said, it was, it's fear. That so many of us are standing in front of a wall and we want to go on the other side. We want to see everything that God has for us. We see the promises in the Bible and we go, I, I don't know how to get there. And there's part that is just like, ah, push through, break through. Fear is, is, is the wall between you and everything that the Lord is, is offering you. And as, as I was thinking about that, I was, I was going, that, that picture, the ability to walk in the prophetic, to, to have people speak, this is what I'm seeing, and it resonates with you, and then the Lord clarifies things and gives you those next steps are ways that we're able to take where we are now and go, God, I know you're calling me to something else. And it's a tangible, practical, like you just need to sometimes just give a little Taekwondo knee to fear, right? I mean, it, there's, but there's, there's a kinetic act to it. Like sometimes you need to move. And I was thinking about um, my son when he was actually in Taekwondo. And sometimes, I mean, when you've got a bunch of like eight-year-olds running around, like you got to kind of corral them. Right? And so they would have them do push-ups. And while they were doing push-ups, it was pay attention. Pay attention. Right? Because there's something about a kinetic, uh, the movement and the declaration that happens so that it's not just, sometimes, you know, it, the, the name it, claim it group is just, well, if I just say something, it happens. There's, there has, there's, there's a kinetic movement that says, all right, this is what I'm hearing prophetically, and I have to take a step. It is so hard for me not to get ahead of my notes. Um, because you're bilocational. You're in two locations at one time. Jesus says that you are seated in heavenly places with him. Right? So if that's true, but then you look around and you go, well, I'm sitting in this room. It's because you're bilocational. Your spirit is able to be in the presence of Jesus, and you are able to be physically here. And the reason that, there's so much more, but the, the, one of the reasons that Jesus hasn't returned yet is he's looking for people to advance the kingdom of God right here, right? The Lord's prayer was on earth as it is in heaven. Who's in heaven? Well, you're seated next to him. Who's on earth? You, you are the answer to the Lord's prayer that says on earth as it is in heaven. And as we grab a hold of what the Lord is doing and showing us, it is to manifest through you into this world so that, you're, that the world starts to look like heaven. Why? Because Jesus says that he is seated until every power and principality is put under his feet. Right? That's the goal. He's defeated them but they all need to be subjugated and brought to being under his feet. And so as I go back to like superheroes, one of the ones is like time travel, right? Like that's the stuff that like you, you always try to figure out. You watch like the Back to the Future. I'm going to date myself a little bit, right? Because those movies are now 25 plus years old. But you always try to figure out, right, the space-time continuum and like if I change something now and then what happens in the future or if I went in the past and I changed something, right? When you get saved, it interrupts the space-time continuum because you are co-crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago, but you are here now. Like your brain just kind of goes, I don't know how that works, right? But it's the same fascination that I have with like the movies where they like jump through time. As I've been thinking about this going, wait a minute, so when I say yes to Jesus, 2,000 years ago, I'm co-crucified with him so that I can be here today so that the future changes. This is how we have to, like, grow up. Like, you can't just be like, I love Jesus. How about you? Like, right? I mean, we got to get past, like, the cool, like, stadium chants and go, somehow the space-time continuum is changing because of what God is doing through you right now. And the past that is trying to project forward, the Kronos is now entering a Kairos moment where it's a divine moment where God is coming in and changing things and changing you and changing the atmosphere and changing what's happening in your location. 
And it's, so there, there's just, there's so much that when I, when I think about like superheroes, you are a superhero. And we have access to all that the Lord has for us. And I, and I got thinking about it because I was listening to uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf and her episode 55 on her podcast, if you want to check it out, is on quantum physics. And she makes these comments because she's able to read stuff and I just don't have time and everything that I'm doing to kind of geek out the way I, I guess I would like. But, you know, it's talking about how everything is really light waves. It's really just everything is waves. And when you think about, like, quantum and it's, you're just mostly energy and, and I've been thinking about it and I don't know if I said this last time when I spoke, but when I, when I look at the, the like proton neutron level, you're actually more nothing than something, right? I mean, if you have like an atom that's, that's like here, you got like the little dot in the middle, that's the protons and neutrons, and then you got the electron cloud. And, and we've all kind of t seen the picture from like the 1940s with the little atoms going around, and you sort of think there's like a little path that they're on. That's not really true. It's a big fuzzy cloud. And at any given time, the electron can be there, but there's a little tiny center that's solid, and then there's this fuzz. And so I got thinking about it, and I was like, I think I know how Jesus went through walls. Because if you can line your protons where there's an electron cloud, there's a very high probability that your something will pass through the walls nothing. And so there's part that as, like, as we start to look at science, Science and quantum physics in particular is validating faith more than ever. It's validating what the Bible does more than ever. And so to be, but you go, gosh, it's quantum physics. You know, it's, it's sort of like, what are you, a rocket scientist? I've actually met a couple of rocket scientists and they're like, well, yes, I am. You know, and it's like, oh, gosh, like, I, I took one of those physics classes one time and I, I my brain about melted. And so, you know, but the, all the math and everything, but as, as, you, as, I, as I look and I try to pull the sort of layman's version of what, what's happening, there are, uh, I just, I get really excited to see what is happening and, and how we mature. Because today's verse is out of Hebrews 5. And it, the book of Hebrews... Um, so the author is unknown. There are some that think it was Timothy, some that think it was Apollo, some actually think it might have been Priscilla, um, but they don't know. But the author's going through in the first few chapters talking about rest and talking about the preeminence of Jesus, especially over Moses and, and, and the old covenant and what he did. And then it gets to this little section at the end of chapter 5, starting in verse 11, says, we have much to say about this. So it was talking about uh, Jesus being the great high priest. The author says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. <laughs> right? So there, there you go. There's just straightforward truth. You guys are slow to learn. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to discern good from evil. I've got a number of different versions of this. The NIV says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The King James says, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's... There's a part of this that is very physical. The words that the author uses relate to your five senses, to, to the physicality of life, and that there is a training. It's like push-ups. It's, it's how, 
how do I constantly exercise, right? At first, exercise is hard. See, for me, I exercise like twice a month. So every time it's like a new time at the gym, and then I'm sore for a while. And I don't ever get past like the new, like, burn and finally get into a groove. Like, it's hard, and then I stop for a while, and then it's hard, and then I stop for a while. But when you... But I've had seasons in my life where I've been in the gym more regularly and I, or I've swam regularly, and you go, it gets easier. You get the motor memory. You get the repetition. you got to put the reps in to get the results. It's the same in the spirit. You need to put the reps in to mature. This isn't about you being saved. This is about you maturing. This is about you accessing everything that the Lord has for you so that you are able to see the fulfillment of his promises in your life. And sometimes we go, God, I feel like you gave me this promise. And he said, yes, but there's some reps you got to put in. I was listening to a podcast and uh, Robbie Dawkins was talking about how he got started as a, as a pastor in I think he was in Aurora, Illinois, which is, I guess, the second. My, my Illinois geography is a little poor. I've lived most of my life south of the Mason-Dixon line. So, um, But he was saying it was one of the, the, the main gang centers in, in Illinois. And he planted his church in the middle of one of the roughest areas. All the church planters were like, bro, don't do that. And he did it. And so he was ministering to some of the gang members. And he said, so, like, how does it work on the street? And I said, well, you steal $1,000 from me, I'm stealing $3,000 from you. You kill one of my guys, I'm going to kill three of your guys. <laughs> and he told them, okay, well, we're going to do that. They're like, we're going to kill somebody? No, no, we're not killing anybody. He goes, what I want to see is wherever there's a murder in our town, I want to go lead three people to the Lord in that area. We're going to take your principle, but we're going to flip it. And we're going to, to bring the kingdom into these areas where darkness is trying to reign. And so there's a process of going, <coughs> all right, how do we do this? In, this in, in where he was, he was trying to figure out what was the spiritual principles that would work where he was. Now, because he put the reps in, the city was labeled one of the most transformed cities in the nation. They went from like over 100 homicides down to like one. I mean, it was huge because he was going into the places where it was dark and shifting the atmosphere. And when people start getting saved, things change in the spirit. But it's going, what am I sensing? What do I feel? We talk about this, like, right? So when, when you feel discouraged, it often feels like this heavy weight, right? We have words to describe spiritual things that are happening. We just don't often pay attention to it, right? The monkey on my back. I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world. Or I feel light today. I feel bright today. What is it? Those are words that you're using to describe what your senses are telling you about what's happening in the spirit. But we don't, we don't create a bucket in our mind to put this information in to pay attention to it and go, when did I first start feeling heavy? What happened? Was there a trigger? Was, there, was it something I ate, something I watched, something someone said? Was it a place that I went? Because we don't pay attention, then we don't know what, excuse me, what the Lord is doing to try to give you clues in how to walk into victory in those areas. So as we pay attention, right? Maybe we need all to do some push-ups. Pay attention, pay attention, right? That's... That, if you leave with one thing, that's what I would ask, is that you pay attention to your life, to what's happening, to how you feel. We talked about this in, in November in Soul Prosperity, but going, are you paying attention to how, <clears throat> how you feel so that you can then ask the Lord, what is happening? Because if we just sort of blow past it and go, ah, oh, that's just me, that's just the way things are, that's just whatever it is, then we lose an opportunity to train the discerning of our senses on what is good and what is evil, right? Because when you look in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. They were living off the tree of life, but he said, don't eat 
from the knowledge of good and evil. So the, the offer was you can have life or you can try to be judging all the time what's good and evil. As you come into your life with the Lord, you move back onto the tree of life, but he gives you the opportunity because you're still in this world where good and evil is being judged so that you're able to train your senses to judge, to go, that looks good, that's evil, right? And there's a, if, you, if you do a word search, there's a, a ton of, um, of verses on, on good and evil. Like if you want to go, all right, let me, let me train my mind so that I have a biblical background to pay attention to what's happening with my senses. And I'm just going to run through a bunch of these. You really just have to do like a Google search or a search in your, in your Bible app or in a, what are those things called, like concordances? I haven't used those in forever, right? So um, Matthew 12, 35, and it's also in Luke 6, 45. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of evil treasure brings forth evil. In Psalm 7:14, behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. Proverbs 1:7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1:32, for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. I mean, the Bible has so much to help guide you in good and evil. Proverbs uh, 10.8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Some of y'all just struggle because your mouth keeps going. I mean, if you just landed on that verse, that the discerning of good and evil out of the babbling of your mouth could change your life. I mean, and that's, so that's just one verse. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Right? The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Proverbs uh, 10.21, Proverbs 13.20, Whoever walks in the way of the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I mean, it just keeps going. Uh, Proverbs 14.7, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you, will, uh, you do not meet words of knowledge. Right? So as you train your senses to discern good and evil, it says, hmm, what I hear coming out of these jokers around me is not going to lead to life. Maybe I should leave before they pick a fight with a big old bubba. Right? And so there's parts, if, if we're just discerning about what is happening, what's going on? <clears throat> so that I don't have to be around to experience the consequences of other people's foolishness, right? That's how boundaries work. We love everyone, but that doesn't mean you stay in close proximity to foolish people. And so we want to be wise in how we engage with people. We want to be wise in going, I want to love you, but if you continue to drink and play with firearms, that's a bad idea, Right? The, the fool stays, the wise leave. Right? And so the discerning gives you very practical elements. But this can also move into like the prophetic. What are you sensing? When you, is the Lord giving you a word of knowledge for someone? How, what does that look like? What do you smell? Some people, when, when evil is around, they'll smell sulfur. But by the training of their senses, they just have learned to go, what is that? There's something happening in the spirit that I'm smelling. There's something in the spirit that's happening that I see. Or I, I feel like I, I see this, but when I open my eyes, I don't. But when I close my eyes, this is what I see. And so there's just there's, uh, this opportunity for us um, to, to use our minds. So sometimes I feel like when, when you get into charismatic circles, there's, an, there's a, a lie that you turn off your brain because it's very emotional. 
And I don't want you to turn off your brain. I want you to engage your brain in a way that ties into your senses. Because when we ignore our senses and stay in our brain, we lose the, the we lose truly a reality because we just stay in our mind. And part of this comes from our, our Western culture, right? If you look at, at Plato's cave, one of the early Greek writings, there, there's this dualism that says, well, I, I just, well, in the natural, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm seeing shadows. There's a reality out there. There's a spiritual reality somewhere, but I'm just in this cave looking at shadows. And so I kind of get pictures and types. And there's part of that that is an incomplete truth, right? There's part where if we don't pay attention, we are just seeing shadows of what is a spiritual reality, right? The temple and, and the tabernacle, when they were made, were a type of what was truly in heaven, right? It, it, was, it was a picture to try to help us literally see what, what God was doing in heaven. But what he's calling us to and what Jesus did by making a way for us to be bilocational has changed us from being in a dualistic to a holistic view. That we walk as, as body, soul, and spirit in one place. Because if we just stay in kind of our Western Civ mindset, we're really just a body that kind of has a soul and we just ignore the spirit. And it's hard to grow up and mature, according to Hebrews 5, if we're ignoring what's happening here and what, what, how to discern the good and the evil. I mean, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12.2, makes these statements. I must go on boasting, right? So he's, he's in the middle of this discussion about um, who, who's really an apostle, and I guess the, the Corinthians were like, well, some of these other guys are like super apostles, and you're just like a run-of-the-mill apostle. So he goes in, in, two, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 is where it starts. He goes, I'm, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I'll not boast about myself except through my weakness. And then he goes on to talk about things. But do you ever pause and think about that? Like he had an experience and he couldn't tell whether he had a physical translation or whether his spirit basically like left his body and had this encounter. There's some crazy stuff in the Bible. And, and, and so it, it's, it's one of these opportunities that we go, it, I'll be honest, that sounds like a superpower. And, and, whether, and, and so I think for us, sometimes the issue that comes up is, the, is control. Who gets to control this power? Right? So the new age is about trying to find spiritual things, and you get to control them. You have these experiences. You're going to do this because it's you. They're jumping the fence to try to get into spiritual truths without going through the gate of Jesus. But as we go through the gate of Jesus and we surrender to him control and he comes and he says, maybe something like this is available for you too. That you could have an experience that is so intense with me. You don't even know whether you're physically there or it was like a vision or dream. Because that changed the trajectory of Paul. Right? He, he had started as, as a persecutor, a murderer. He has the encounter on the Damascus Road. Then he goes and he spends three and a half years in the desert. And he came out on fire for God. And I think some of us are lukewarm in our faith because we're still trying to just stay in our head. 
If I have an academic understanding, if I can learn enough verses to try to, to put together an, a, a propositional argument to persuade you to choose Jesus, it's, it's really tough because people are like, I don't buy your argument. Then where are you at? But if you have an experience and you have the ability to walk in, in power and authority and go, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. The way God has touched me is a testimony that no logic or, or refuting of logic can, um, can touch because it's your experience. It's what God did in you and through you. And, and with that, then other people are like, well, that's really strange, right? We read 2 Corinthians 12 and go, oh, I, I don't really have a grid for that. But by the training of our senses to discern spiritual things, to discern good and evil, we are able to then go, oh, maybe the Lord can trust me with something more. Because when I was about 22, I had a very intense dream. It was not quite, I, I wouldn't put it in, quite in that category, but it was very real. Like I woke up sweating like I was just, it, it, was, it was very experiential. And, but I had, I had, there were no, there was no mentor. There was no community for me to talk to about this. And I just kind of like went and sat in the bathroom and was like, Lord, what, whatever this is, like, I don't want this. Like, that was scary. Now, it was scary only because I didn't have a grid for it. It was just a very intense spiritual experience where the Lord was showing me things about the community I was living in. And there was a lot of partying and a lot of hedonism. And it was like I had in this dream, I could see the water rising and being in Florida, there's alligators in the water, and they're coming, and they're eating the people that are just not paying attention to the fact that the water's rising. And it was so intense, and it was so real, and I just woke up, and it was like, what do I do with this? And it becomes these testimonies <coughs> that we have that we go, oh, the Lord was doing something, but I told him no thanks. And it's taken me like 10 or 15 years of, of walking back <laughs> my no thanks. And going, all right, Jesus, how, how do I say yes to discern? Because we want to be in a community to test things. You need to be in a community collective to go, man, I had this crazy experience. What do you guys think? Is there, is there a biblical precedent for this? Is there something that, that, that gives me a plumb line to say this was something that the Lord is doing versus something weird? Because there is evil out there. And we want to make sure we are staying with the Lord in this process. And that he will train us, right? It's, it's the training. It's, but it's the reps. We got to put the reps in. You know, supernatural encounters are through the Bible, throughout the Bible, starting with Adam and Eve, right? They walked with God in the cool of the evening. They had a daily supernatural encounter with God. That was normative for them. And it was, it was so normal that even after the fall, God came and spoke to Cain before he killed Abel and said, hey, sin is crouching at the door. Don't give in to this. But Cain didn't listen. Right? But Cain had the experience. He had, it's, it should be normative for us to have encounters with the Lord. I mean, you go from there from Cain. Enoch walked with God in such a way that he didn't experience death. He was no more. Like, he just went with the Lord. <coughs> like, I don't have a grid for that. I mean, it's in the Bible, but I'm like, what happened? Was that like Elijah? He, he got the first chariot and Elijah got the second chariot? Like, I, how does this work? I, you know, but there, there's things that... In, in Proverbs, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. And so there's part that, are we searching? Are we asking? Are we curious? We're not curious enough about what God is doing. We have a general evangelical model. I call it the Jesus MLM. If you can find two who find two who find two, we'll, 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 we'll sell the whole earth on Jesus and then he'll come back. 
And I, it's not really fair to, to poke at the evangelists, but, but there's a lot of them that, right? I receive your forgiveness. But the, we, but if we just make it about notches in our Bible, we lose the discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say make converts. Find someone who finds someone who finds someone. And, and so there, there's a call. Like, it's, it's much harder to go make a disciple than to, to make a sales call. Because you've got to put the reps in. It's the discerning of your senses. It's, it's teaching someone. It's, it's taking a new person and going, hey, Jesus is going to walk with you through this process. And if you pay attention to the dreams, to what you hear, what you sense, what you feel, what you smell, you're going to have encounters with God that are going to change your life, that are going to give you direction, that are going to help you, and you're going to come into a community of people who are going to help guide you. And out of all of this, you're going to see the, the fruit and the fulfillment of God's dreams for you. You know, it's crazy. In uh, 1 John 4.17, in the Amplified, it said, In this union and fellowship with him, being Jesus, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. All right? So here, watch this. You're time traveling in the future. Again, here's another wrinkle in the space-time continuum. Right? So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Don't lose that last part because we go, oh, well, in the future I'll be like him. And it's just like, this just so messes with, like, well, look at the fruit of my life. Like, I've got these struggles, and I've got this, and i got this cough that won't go away for two weeks. Like, and it's going like, as he is, so am I, and I'm not going to let the facts of where I am change the truth that God says about me. And it's the same for you. It's the same for you. And so as Jesus is seated, resting, interceding with the Father for you, so are you here. To be at rest, to intercede, and to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So as we train our senses... I mean, it's crazy. I actually did like the Strong's Concordance word search uh, on, on this passage. That constant use that is, is from the word like echo. It's like habit, practice. It's a condition or state of use, especially good condition of body or soul. There's a, in this verse, it's very physical. We kind of think of like Jesus is like out there. But when he, when he showed up after the resurrection... He's like, look, I'm eating fish tacos. They don't, like, disappear somewhere. Like, I have a digestive system. Right? Touch my hands. Look at my scar. I think he just kept the scars as proof. Because I'm like, man, I don't want to keep all my scars. I don't think we will. But I think he carries them to say, this is how much I love you. Right? And so as we, as we come into this, there, we... We get so hung up on what is happening in the natural that we forget that he's given us dominion over the natural. And if you're curious enough to explore this, you will see signs and wonders and miracles happen. And it may be just as simple as when we lived in uh, our last house, I had ants that came in. And I had heard a testimony. See, this is, this is why testimonies are so powerful. I heard a testimony about a lady who had a spider that kept coming on her patio. She, her, her apartment had a spider, or uh, faced the woods, and the spider would come and build this big web right across her patio. 
And she'd like, you know, take her broom, clear it out. And then like the next day, like literally the next day, boom, there's a spider. She'd clear it out. There it is, clear it out. And finally she was like, in Jesus' name, go back to the woods. No more webs. The spider went back to the woods. And so I heard this testimony, and I saw these ants in my house, and I was like, ants, this is my house. You belong outside, not in my house. And it took about two or three days, and this wasn't like just once, but I I kind of was just like, well, you guys, you're done. But all your buddies that come back, don't come back. And over about two days of telling the ants to go, they left. No spray, no treatment, because the Lord gave me authority over my house to bring the kingdom there. And so this was just like one little natural phenomenon that I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. <clears throat> and then they came back about two years later. I was like, hey, you guys are still not welcome here. Back out in the yard. And I smushed all the ones that I saw inside. said, this is a warning for your friends. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not welcome here. Get back out in the, gar- in the yard. Well, yeah, yeah, mafia. I'll kill you and your friends. Um, but it's, it was taking authority, but it was the experimenting. I didn't know I could do that. And, and so it became this time of going, oh, the Lord wasn't kidding about having dominion over the earth. And we kind of, we blow by some of those verses and we go, what does it look like in our neighborhood to start taking dominion over what's happening? What does it look like to go, this kind of stuff is not happening? You know, I was thinking about some of the things that have been in the news lately. And the Patriots owners gotten burnt on this deal. And, and, you know, I was like, man, when I drive up and down Dale Mabry in 60. We got a lot of places just like where he was going. Places where people are being trafficked. And I was like, Lord, what does it look like to change the atmosphere? What if we started leading people to Jesus on the streets? What, what, how, what, what does that, like, how... Lord, give us divine strategies on how to change the atmosphere. This isn't about picketing a location. This is about a spiritual shift that says in our community, we're not going to tolerate the trafficking of people. And, and as, so there's part that, it's, it's a part of community. This is a large city. And we need more and more people to start going, I want to be strategic prayer partners with the Lord to say, I'm going to own this block. This block is not going to have trafficking. This block is not going to have this kind of sin being purveyed because that's not in heaven. And it doesn't need to be here on earth. And so there's just, there's the challenge that, God, we need, we need the strategy. Is, is it evangelism outreach? Is it prayer walking? Is it... You know, what is it, Lord, that's going to shift our culture? Where do we need to repent? Where do we need to repent on behalf of the Christians that stood by, the Christians that engaged in this stuff? Where, where is it that, that we need to, to partner with what the Lord is doing to say, what does restitution and reconciliation look like? I mean, these are all, this isn't just like, Mickey Mouse Christianity. This is deep. This is this is how we mature and grow up. And so I just want to encourage you, call you up and say, you are capable of this. You are capable of hearing from the Lord and having divine strategies for your neighborhood, for your community. And and as a church, we want to partner and and get you connected in community collectives, in groups to say, how do I hear? What do I test? what I'm sensing, so that we stay on track, we stay biblically focused um, and train our eyes, our ears, our nose. What, what, what is it that we're watching? What is it that we're, <coughs> that we're consuming? 
that is it is it bringing life you know paul makes another statement in 1 corinthians 5 he said although i'm absent from you in body i am present with you in spirit and i've already pronounced judgment on the one who did this just as if i was present i'm like wait a minute paul is in one location and his spirit's in another location passing judgment on this guy who was a troublemaker in that church Okay, Jesus, there's a lot more that I need to learn in how you operate, in how things operate, in, in what happens in the spirit. And um, I had a boss um, many years ago, and she wasn't a Christian, but she operated in this kind of stuff. She saw her stepson smoking pot, driving, joyriding in her Lexus while she was in California. And she called him about 30 minutes after it happened and said, hey, I just had this picture of you like smoking pot riding in my car. Uh, 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 no, no, it didn't happen. Uh, you were driving down this road, and I'm going to check the GPS on your, <laughs> your phone. Uh, yep, that was me, right? And so there's part that I was like, when she first told me that, I had no grid for any of this. And I was just like, that's really weird. Like, I don't, I, how did you do that? That's, you know, there was no, I had no Christian filter to go, there is something in the Bible where Paul is, is going, my, I'm here, but my spirit is there seeing what's happening and saying, that's wrong. And I don't, I don't have all the answers on how that works right now. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, can we be curious together? Can we ask the Lord for greater revelation, greater vision? Because there is some stuff in the Bible that, oh, it's kind of complicated, so I just ignore it. Can I tell you that ignoring what the Bible says, ignoring reality, doesn't work out well. We miss so much. As... as we come to a close. I just I want to share one more testimony with you. I was a part of a uh, a retreat, and so there was a lot of uh, like spiritual uh, help that people were getting. They were they were coming. They were encountering God. It was it was a great retreat. But those that served on it just had nonstop like distractions. One guy, his truck would break every time he would go on one of these retreats, like transmission fail, like wheel fall off. I mean, it was like crazy stuff. And then, um, I mean, and, and usually something would fall on him. So he'd like <laughs> almost break a bone in his foot. Like there was all these things. And so I was like, going, all right, so we need to pay a little more attention because you're actually, you're physically discerning the evil, but you're just not paying attention to what's happening. Right? And so one day I was there and this guy he, he wasn't there for most of it. He just rolled in like on Saturday afternoon and he goes, gosh, every time, as soon as I stepped on the property, I got this stabbing pain in the side of my knee. And I was like, hmm, well, that's strange. Like where? And he's like, well, right here. And I go, well, tell me if, if anything happens. And as I got about six inches away, he goes, it zings all the way down to my toe. So I move my hand. It's gone. Put my hand there. I feel it all the way to my toe. And I was just like, all right. I don't know exactly how this works, but I had a, a sense, right? So the Lord gives us like a word of knowledge, and I go, man, this sounds like a fiery dart. So I just, as a prophetic act, grabbed nothing and pulled. And he goes, it's gone. He's like looking at his foot. He's got like, what happened? I'm like, you're such a cute Southern Baptist. You just had a, an encounter <laughs> with a spiritual event. Because he, he was. <laughs> and we had, we had a lot of fun with it. But he, he um, it gave him a grid and an experience to go, there's something happening. Let me pay attention that this may be, this, this isn't just like, wow, I have a tight IT band and it's, it's pulling on, you know, a nerve. And it's going, no, pay attention and see what the Lord is doing. I mean, I've got so many more, like, 
crazy testimonies about stuff like this. The last one, Oscar Mumba has come. Sandy knows Oscar well, and, and he was telling me a story in, in Zambia. So they take a lot of these spiritual things much more seriously in Africa. We kind of, um, our Western culture just doesn't really believe in a lot of this. And, uh, but they take witches and stuff very seriously. And so they pray over their community a no-fly zone. And I was like, Oscar, tell me more about this. And he goes, over our community, we don't want any, any of the people like flying over. And I'm like, you mean like on broomsticks? He's like, they don't fly on broomsticks. And I was like, all right, because I, I have no grid for this. And he goes, but we pray for a no-fly zone over our church and over our community. And he goes, sure enough, sometimes people will actually just fall out of the sky at the border. Because they'll hit the no-fly zone. And they just find them laying in the weeds. And I was like, wow, I have no grid for that either. But that's really cool. And so there's part. And so, but what that testimony did was it gave me a curiosity to say, Jesus, what are you doing in this? There are areas that I don't have an understanding, right? So ignorance is a lack of knowledge. Like, stupid is like, you just don't have the smarts. Like, ignorance is a lack of knowledge. And so many times, we are ignorant of spiritual things, and some of it willfully. We choose to stay that way. And so this is an opportunity, and as I close, this is a call to just say, would you choose to be curious with Jesus? That by the training of your senses you will learn to discern good and evil. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to call up Pastor Jimmy. Jesus, I thank you for everyone here and everyone in the sound of my voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would just activate their curiosity. Lord, that there would be a hunger to know, to discern what you are doing, to discern things of the enemy that are coming against them so that they can pull on kingdom resources to defeat a defeated devil, to enforce the victory that's been paid for them. Lord, I pray that there would just be greater signs and wonders in our community, Lord, because we just see what you're doing, we hear what you're doing, and we just express in the natural what we're getting in the spiritual. Lord, I just bless every person, every family, every uh, just community leader that we have here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.